Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and today I am thrilled to introduce you to a series of books that I think is better than the Game of Thrones books. I'm going to tell you why, but first I just want to say no shade to George R. R. Martin. He is a lovely human. We had him on Nerdette. He was very kind. I liked him a lot. George, this is nothing personal, but here are my criteria. One, this other series is feminist as f***. And two... It's actually finished. Yep, it's four books. They're all out in the world. And the series is called the Nine Realm series, and it's by Sarah Kozloff. And here is Sarah summing up 2,000 pages in one sentence. An epic fantasy about a young princess who must grow up and fight her way back to the throne. That, my friend, is a sentence that gives me goosebumps. And what's extra awesomely cool about Sarah is that her own story is super interesting, too. She's somebody who completely changed career paths pretty much because of the Bechdel test. She used to be a film professor at Vassar College, and now she is a full-time fantasy author. Sarah, welcome to Nerdette. Thanks for having me, Greta. So what do you think? Was that like a fair characterization or did I exaggerate a little bit? Actually, it's absolutely true. (laughs) Although whenever I say this, I have to look around and be sure everybody understands what the Bechtel test is. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Your listeners know the Bechtel test. I mean, you know, I think it's fair to say the Nerdette audience is probably pretty familiar with it. But can you explain it for people who are like, but what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, It's named after uh, an author and comic writer named Alison Bechtel, who's done a lot of wonderful things, including the very famous uh, book and play of Funhouse. But she wrote just a little comic strip some years ago about sexism in stories. And she said that we would have to create a really low bar. (laughs) it is a very low bar (laughs) it is such a low bar i mean you could an ant could limbo (laughs) underneath it Uh, um you have to have two women Mm -hmm. who have names Mm -hmm. not just the waitress the mother the girlfriend right they have to talk to each other (laughs) i don't know you're getting pretty demanding sarah (laughs) demanding right and they have to talk to each other about something else than the male protagonist of the story. Than a dude. Yep. Right. So I was sitting in class. This was a very select seminar of seniors. We were um, studying uh, women filmmakers, and we were just looking at this list of movies that did not pass the Mm -hmm. Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. And one of them was The Lord of the Rings. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and people say to me, wait, wait, there's great women in Lord of the Rings. Yes, sure. There is. There's Galadriel and there's Ar- uh, Eowyn and there's um, Arwen Evenstar. Mm-hmm. But they never talk to each other. They are all in separate storylines. And if they did talk to each other, they probably would be talking about a dude. So um, <laughs> I, I saw that and I can remember that moment. So really? Clearly. So you're like literally sitting in a class looking at this list. I'm sitting in class looking at this list. I see the Lord of the Rings and I said, I'm going to write an epic fantasy that does pass the Bechdel test. And of course, there are hundreds of fantasies that do pass the Bechdel test, but this one is mine. And Mm -hmm. uh, the first idea was, what if Aragorn had been a woman? And what if the heir to the throne was in hiding, like Aragorn is in hiding as Strider? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all based on Bilbo's poem about all that is gold does not glitter. Hmm. So, so Lord of the Rings really had like a strong resonance for you then. It must have, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm Well, first of all, I'm of the generation. Yeah. So you grew up reading those books? I did. Actually, it's, um, I don't know if you find this interesting, but the first time I read them, um, my brother read them aloud to me. Oh, that's beautiful. And he wanted me to start The Hobbit. And I looked at the small print. I was eight years old. I looked at the small print and was a little daunted. And so, so he's older than you, your brother? Yes, he's he's older. And he's always been the one who gave me books and took me oh. to movies and things like that. So we had just moved to Denver. None of us had any friends. It was the summertime. <laughs> and he started reading The Hobbit. And he read the whole summer through. And um, it was just this incredible experience to experience the Lord of the Rings, but also to experience it with my brothers Yeah, as an escape from, you know, a, a sort of difficult family move and a lonely summer. The idea that there were these fantasy worlds that yeah. you could go to. I have a suspicion that I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to answer, ask you anyway, which is when you were listening to those books, did you have a hard time figuring out where you fit in that story? Like, did you, did you think to yourself, I mean, obviously the Bechdel test didn't exist when you were a kid, but did you have moments of like, man, I wish there were some more ladies interacting with each other in these stories, or were you like adaptable enough at that point and and used to reading stories with dude protagonists that you just didn't worry about it because that's just what the world was. The second. I was eight years old. We're talking about 1964. Mm-hmm. This is um, just one year after The Feminine Mystique had come out. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so it, you know, that kind of questions of representation had were not in my consciousness yeah the fact that i as many people do you as a child you identify with the hobbits as little people and mm-hmm. frightened and you know out of their out of their comfort zone and the fact they're not they're not very male in the book you know that's true yeah they're more uh, like just creatures yeah more like more like young and vulnerable 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, no, I did not think about, I loved Galadriel, but I did not think about women at that yeah. time. Yeah. You have a lot to learn in your life from eight on. Of course, of course. So you mentioned that there are plenty of books, plenty of fantasy series out there these days that are, that do pass the Bechdel test that are mm-hmm. much more feminist. You mm-hmm. are not at all wrong. There are a bunch, but I will say like, I still think of high fantasy as being something that, especially historically, when you think of your Lord of the Rings, is even when you think of your Game of Thrones, it's not hella feminist. Right. So why stay in the high fantasy space for you? Like, did you, were you kind of committed to the idea of like rebranding that genre? Yeah, I was. As, as, totally arrogant I'm sorry as that might sound um because um I know you've read a little bit about me this was my first attempt at creative writing I had never written a short story before that is audacious and how many pages did you end up writing I should have added them up do you know Um, it's about (laughs) 2000 and and um I just got into the story and and it was it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um it's that um experience that psychologists call flow where mm-hmm. you look up and 4 hours have passed and you weren't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um I got to go to an AMM just like as a child I got to go to Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Um and um that's that's what I most wanted. So how do you keep your, you know, I, I don't know. It was interesting thinking about talking to you for this because I kept wanting to ask you about your research process and then mm-hmm. reminding myself that none of these places are actually real. <laughs> so how do you keep your imagination organized for a series like this where you have all these different countries, all these different characters in different places, different timelines? Like, you know, well, how did you yeah. do it? Is was it just like insane conspiracy theory, like post post-it notes on the wall with thread? I never used a post-it note, and <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't outline anything. <laughs> I was a inveterate pantser. I just started. Wow! And uh, then there was this very long editing uh, process. Mm-hmm. which was as long as writing the whole deal. It, pro- mm. it took me three years to um, sort of rewrite, edit. And then I had a, a terrific copy editor. Um, Deanna Hoke has uh, won awards from sci-fi organizations. Mm. And I wasn't supposed to talk to her either. But I established... <laughs> <laughs> I established a connection with her. And she would send me... She said, Sarah... Your, your distances are wrong from here to here. It can't, Ooh, take, that, yeah. it can't take that right. many days or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so I really needed someone as uh, precise and careful as Diana to help me at the end. Okay. So what you're saying is you decided to start these books on a whim. Mm-hmm. You wrote all of them in one go mm-hmm. and you didn't stress any of it along the way. I don't know. What What do you mean by stress? I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm just so impressed by your audacity with the whole thing. Well, I didn't have anything to lose, Greta. Mm. I mm. had, I have already 
made my career as a film professor, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was doing this um, sort of for myself. And it wasn't until it was all finished that I started to get ambitious about finding an agent and finding an editor and publishing it. And, and I got very strange reactions at that point. Some people said, what do you mean you've written it all? <laughs> I, can't, I can't sell the whole thing until I sell the first book. Uh, but, but another, the agent I eventually with, went with said, um, this is amazing. This is fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. And then, and then um, Jennifer Gunnels, my editor at Tor, she's the one who said, let's do rapid publication. Yeah, that's something else that stands out about these books is that the first one came out in January of this year, right? Mm -hmm. And by April, they were all out in the world. You could get yeah. the entire series and read them from start to finish. Absolutely. Which, yeah, you hinted at. But I think that is another way that these books really stand out is that this series is complete, which, you know, I can think of two series right off <laughs> the bat, you know, Game of Thrones being one of them. And, um, oh, shoot, what's that? Uh, the Name of the Wind? Is that what it's yeah. called? Patrick Rothfuss. Yes. And Ra and Patrick Rothfuss' is Name of the Wind series, which both are like very highly anticipated, long awaited. Ten books. years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't remember <laughs> um, the uh, Wise Man's Fool or whatever, the second Patrick Rothfuss, Rothfuss one. I'd have to go back and reread it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, I didn't want that for my reader I want I guess Greta I wanted them to have the experience that I had when I was an eight-year-old hmm. of sort of I, we would sort of sprawl on the floor lie upside down on the couch or whatever while my brother was reading <laughs> and he he read because we were wiggly little kids you know <laughs> and he just and he read us the whole thing hmm. and there was no waiting 18 months, two years, five years to find out what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. What I really wanted was um, not to leave anybody hanging like um, some famous <laughs> fantasy authors have. I didn't want to say, oh, come on, commit to my story, but I'm not going to commit to finishing it. <laughs> so... Do you think the moral of your story, your personal story, is to just go for it? Yeah. Um, one of these blog sites, women writers, asked me to write something about how I happened to do this. And I wrote about when I was five and I thought I could swim and I jumped into the deep end of the pool. And the teenage lifeguard jumped in and pulled me out. And I was very, very offended because I could have, I was not drowning. I could swim. So somehow um, writing these four long epic fantasies is like jumping into the deep end of the pool, right? Yeah. Um, and now how would I feel about it if I never got an agent, if I never got it published, if nobody ever liked it? I don't. I don't know. I, I hope, <laughs> yeah, I would have drowned. But I hope I would have still thought that those hours of writing were worth it in my happiness. 
that's beautiful. I love the ju- just jump in the deep end. Like, I think especially for women, often it's that encouragement yeah, to just be confident and, you know, like, give it a shot. What do you got to lose? Like, just go for it. Just, just do it. Yeah. Whatever your dream is, is if, if it's to paint, to dance, to, to swim, anything, um, do it. Sarah Kozloff, such an inspiring story, such great books. The first one in the Nine Realms series is called Queen in Hiding, and I definitely, obviously, think you should read it. All right, one more thing you don't want to miss in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Now, I am very excited to tell you that it is time for one of my favorite segments. Greta News, Greta News, it's now time for Greta News, yeah! That's right, Greta News, though what I'm about to tell you actually also fits under the category of bad bitch birthdays, too, because on September 18th, 1905, Greta Garbo was born. Now, I am a fan of all Gretas, and the Swedish-American actress is no exception. She was famous for that line, I want to be alone, but she actually told Life magazine in 1955 that she was misquoted. I never said I wanted to be alone, she explained. I said I wanted to be let alone, and there is all the difference. I would like to raise a glass to all you introverts out there, whether or not you are named Greta. I hope you get some good alone time this weekend or people time. I mean, whatever you need. I love y'all extroverts, too. All right, that's it for today. The show is produced by me and Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. We will see you on Tuesday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.